Okay. Let's, uh, let's open with a prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we just thank you for bringing us here again this morning. Uh, Lord, this opportunity to come to worship you, to learn from your word. And, uh, God, I just pray that you would be with us. God, I pray that you would uh, be with our body. It uh, seems like we just continue to struggle with sickness and uh, various uh, health trials and the, the members of this body. And, uh, God, we know that you are uh, you are able to overcome all of those things. And Lord, you are able to give us comfort as we face these trials. God, I pray that um, you would help us to to have a, a deeper understanding of what your word says about uh, our will and how it is shaped by the work of Christ. Uh, God, I pray that we would have a strong will to resist temptation and a, um, a will that is submissive to what you have commanded us to do. Uh, God, I just pray that as we consider these things, that it would just give us a, a greater insight uh, into our own uh, struggles and failings. And uh, Lord, just that it would be an encouragement and help us as we seek to live our lives according to your word. Pray in Christ's name. Well, we are continuing our study on uh, understanding the heart uh, in his book, uh, With All Your Heart. Greg Troxell identifies three aspects of our inner life that the Bible uses the word heart for. The mind, the desires, and the will. And so at this point, we've examined the first two of these, um, and now we are in the third week of looking at the will of the heart. Now, the answer to the, the problems we've seen with the heart um, is the lordship of Christ, the fact that Christ is our king. Uh, the simple confession of the early church, Christ is Lord, was a recognition of Christ's full divinity and his rightful place as king. Uh, Christ's death on the cross was the first triumph of his kingdom as he dealt a fatal blow to Satan's condemning, reigning, and stinging power. Uh, his kingship was further vindicated in his uh in his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of God, uh, which was uh, heaven's open declaration that he is the eternal son of God. Um, he has removed the tyranny of Satan's rule, and Christ now sits in eternal supremacy as head over all things for his church. He presides over the church, not as an indifferent commander who stands at a distance to watch his kingdom struggle against powers and enemies greater than she. Rather, he draws near to her and directly rules and defends the hearts of his people by his word and spirit. So as we uh, struggle with, against sin, as we, we fight against uh, our own will's inclinations, um, it's a comfort to know that Christ is actively working in us to sanctify us. Uh, Jesus uh, told his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, apart from the work of Christ in us, apart from our union with Christ and having access to that power, uh, we are completely helpless. Uh, we are unable to do things that are pleasing to God. Our will is enslaved, as we have seen. Likewise, uh, Paul, when he spoke of his 
supernatural contentment with which he faced the varying circumstances of life, he made it clear that it was not by his own merit that he did that. Um, he says in Philippians 4, chap uh, chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, sometimes that's a verse that's taken out of context, but in context, he's talking about his ability uh, in various circumstances to be content, um, whether he has much or whether he has little. Um, and um, that's something that he's giving uh, Christ credit for. Christ is the one who enables him to do all things. So Christ as our king is working in us. He's enabling us uh, to, uh, to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to him. Um, now, we've, we've talked uh, about the idea of uh, both a, uh, a strengthened will and a submissive will. Um, that uh, the unredeemed heart is, is strengthened and hard against, uh, against God and against God's commands. Uh, but what it should be, what a renewed heart is, um, is submissive to the will of God, um, is, is bendable and pliable to what God commands. Um, and then in the same way, the unredeemed heart is, is weak and fearful and enslaved uh, when it comes to dealing with temptation. Uh, but the redeemed heart uh, is strengthened. It is able to resist temptation. It is, uh, it is courageous. It is able to say no. So when we think about that idea, the idea of the strengthened will, being able to say no to temptation, uh, Paul says in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Um, as we've mentioned before the passage in Ezekiel when we've talked about the, the hardened heart and the fact that God makes that change. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So two things have happened. On the one hand, the stubborn and proud heart has been subdued. On the other hand, the feeble and enslaved heart has been strengthened. Stubbornness and unbelief have been replaced by the saving grace of repentance, the saving graces of repentance and faith. Christ has subdued our will as new creatures we grow and are increasingly uh, able to will and to do that which is spiritually good. Not perfectly, but genuinely, we are able to do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, our growth is imperfect because uh, residual sin frustrates it, and we often feel deeply conflicted. Uh, this is actually the, you know, the normal state of affairs for the believer. Uh, if you go through your life you know, with the, the ideas like, oh, well, I don't ever struggle with sin. I'm always, I'm always able to obey perfectly. There's, there's a problem. You shouldn't be feeling that way. Um, 
And if you go through life thinking, I don't even care, I just do what I want, that's obviously a great cause of concern as well. But the normal state of the Christian is uh, a, a feeling of conflict. Uh, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So sin is always present in us, but so is Christ. Uh, he is faithfully at work in our hearts, uh, and uh, a, a performing a never-ending process of sanctification. Uh, Philippians chapter one verse six, uh, Paul says, "I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you uh, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ." Now, first question of the morning. Um, what, what do you think Paul is referring to here? Uh, he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. What's that good work that he began and will bring to completion? Well, it, it would be the, the changing of our hearts. The change. I mean, this side of heaven, we are still sinful beings. Mm -hmm. And so we're 